led away to Southwold, Kessingland and Lowestoft. Left and right, it was flanked by the main road, which ran north to Norwich, south to Ipswich, and thence to London. Standing as it did where the three roads joined, the fleece did a brisk and prosperous trade. Every morning, while the roads were passable, the pack-horses toiled, sweating and blowing, into the yard, bringing dripping creels of fish from the coast. Unpacked, reparceled, and loaded again, the harvest of the sea was dispersed to feed the hungry towns through which the coaches passed. The custom brought by this means alone would have kept the fleece busy, but that was far from all. There were bundles of leather from Norwich, the bales of woollen stuff from Lavenham, the chickens, turkeys, and beef on the hoof from the rich farmlands of Norfolk. All these made their way through the great yard of the inn and these inanimate or involuntary passengers were supplemented by the proper travellers, the coach passengers, the packmen and the peddlers who regarded the fleece as a stage in their journey. The inn belonged to and was kept by a vast man whom many thousands of people in the course of the years doubtless remembered as the ideal host. He was round and fat and jolly, and when he laughed his bright, shrewd little eyes lost themselves in the folds of his mirth. He welcomed in the coach passengers and the regular pedestrians with such good humour and warmth that the journey, cold or wearisome or even dangerous as it might have been, seemed to have been well made if it brought one at night to a place where such a genial spirit presided. But the fishermen and the other dealers who disposed of their goods in his great yard, and the people who worked for him for their bread, saw quite another side of him, and knew that he was cruel, mean, avaricious and a bully. No one who had seen him hasten on his short, stout legs to welcome in a cherished customer with, "'Aha, now, Mr. Harrison, sir. Very pleased to see you again, and glad to say that your same room's empty, and the very spit of the home cured that you so enjoyed last time on the cut again. And how are things with you, sir? And what's the news from London?' Would have imagined that that same voice could have struck terror into any heart as it did into Ellie Roon's and many a dozen more. He had his pound of flesh, too, out of every man whose trade touched the inn's property and custom, however glancingly. Repeatedly, some stockman or fisherman smarting beneath a sense of grievance would pluck up courage enough to point out to Job that the oxen, the turkeys or the fish never entered his property, but were loaded up across the road. Something unforeseen and unfortunate always befell the wares of such a dealer in logic. His next consignment would not be wanted, his sale would be forestalled. His oxen would stampede suddenly. For no known reason, his turkeys would be run over. Job was not even above inspecting a load of fish awaiting transport on the free side of the road, clapping his hand to his nose and ordering its owner to take his stinking manure out of the wind. Experience taught that it was far better to pay the innkeeper's exorbitant charges and keep on the sunny side of his temper. Within his limits, Job was, though grasping, honest above the average. No gentleman of the road had ever received information or encouragement from him. It was not unsafe, as it was in so many places, to display any evidence of wealth before the innkeeper. 
Word never went out of the fleece that Mr. So-and-so, in a green chaise drawn by grey horses, would be passing Foxhall Heath during a certain afternoon, and that he would be worth stopping. All Job's ways of making money were strictly legal, and though these included the overworking and the underpaying of his staff, and the levying of heavy tolls upon those who used his yard, they were less offensive and far less dangerous than the tricks indulged by men of less honesty and greater generosity. He ran the fleece himself, overlooking everything but the cooking, which he left entirely to the stout, irascible, but not ill-natured Mrs. Bridges. If he had ever had a wife, the fleece had no knowledge of her, and the mistresses who came and went were installed for his pleasure, not for their knowledge of domestic arts. The last of these, a florid young woman who had expected far more than she had received, had run away with a packman, and after that...